morning. Dory wanted me to just greet you this morning and uh, thank you for praying for her. She is uh, speaking to a satellite church of Cathedral Faith this morning in San Jose. And uh, Lita is her backup prayer warrior. So uh, she already, uh, she has an incredible word. I told her, you have to give it to the church because it's very good. And uh, she's already was getting just some prophetic thoughts for people. So I'm, I can't wait to hear what she says happens in the service today. You know, I was thinking, you know, uh, had to gas her car up for her yesterday. And I was thinking, boy, when you pull in the gas station, um, there's a lot of fumes there. You could almost think you could run on those fumes. But it wasn't enough just to park her car next to the pump. Had to go through the series of things like all of you do, where you have to flip that lever and get the door open. Then you have to take your cap off. Then you have to put in a bunch of numbers and slide your credit card. Then you have to wait for all that electronic to go through. And then you have to, you know, put the nozzle off and put it in the tank. Then you have to pull the trigger to get the gas flowing. And I thought it's kind of like that when we come to church. You can be here but you're not going to be able to receive by osmosis. You have to open up your heart. You have to surrender the different thoughts that are going on, the different distractions, maybe the struggles you're going through or circumstances that you're facing. There's a lot of distractions when we come to be refueled in the house of God. And I want you to just bring those, those things to the Lord today and just present your heart. Present even all that you know about Christ up into this moment and be open to what God wants to do and make alive through this Holy Spirit. Lord, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, and we're asking for your presence and your power. We're asking you to move past our own understanding and trigger our heart's response to you. We're asking that your Holy Spirit, in which you said, Jesus, he would come and reveal God's truth and reveal you to us, and you would live inside of us. And we're asking for an activation of our heart today. We're asking that you would move on our heart in such a way that we could receive whatever truths that you want to give us. That you, you would touch us in a way that our spirit would become stronger. That we would recognize your voice and receive what you're saying to us. Because when you speak to us, you fulfill what you speak. You cause to happen those things that only you can make happen. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Those of you who asked Jesus Christ to come into your life have received a measure. You've received faith to believe that God saved you through Jesus Christ. You've had your sins forgiven, and now you're growing spiritually. I talk, started talking to you just two weeks ago about the measure that God gives us. First, He gives us a measure of faith to be able to respond in our heart. And when we receive Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross, dying for our sins, our spirit is made alive, and that's our place. That's our, our uh, receiver that we now hear from God, and we grow spiritually. We're born into this world with a spirit and a soul, and it's given a flesh suit called a body. But it's our spirit and our soul that are the two parts that you don't see. Our soul connected to this world, our mind, will, and emotions, and our spirit is what is activated by God. God is the spirit. He's everywhere, but it's our spirit that now receives those messages from God because we're born again. And that's what I want to focus on today. I was thinking back again when, uh, for a good part of my career in driving and earning a living for my family, I drove tractor-trailer. I remember the progression of growing, and at first how overwhelmed I was is learning how to back up, turn it right if you want to go left, turn it left if you want to go right. And over the years, I, I found myself one day on the way to, uh, with a load up to Fremont, and I just was aware of how something had so changed in, in my giftings to be able to drive. I could fool with the radio. I could call and talk to my dispatcher. 
I could uh, judge the distance between me and the next person. I could downshift. I could do all these things. I thought, what has happened? You could say, it's, oh, you're just familiar. Your mind, you know, is connected. Now you have all these memories. But I can remember doing things, especially backing up and not even thinking about it. In fact, thinking about something else and find myself weaving that 42-foot trailer in, in this maze of crooked streets and everything uh, to get it where, I, where it was supposed to go. And I was thinking, it came, the awareness came to me, is because of my spirit. There's no life in our bodies if our spirit leaves. You can be here today and not be activated because you haven't received Jesus Christ, to not have your spirit made alive and born again. You might be listening to the message and it sounds good, but there's going to come a place where you're going to buy in and say, I want that for myself. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need you. Please come into my heart. I want to start this road where I have a spirit that's alive and connected with you and it's growing. And you're growing in your abilities. You're finding your measure, what God has called you to do, and you're exercising it. I have to say today, after it's going to be 15 years this year that I've been doing this full time. It's been 15 years since I drove tractor-trailer. But I have to say today, I feel like I'm starting to grow into my measure as a pastor. You know, and it's that thing that God has as we exercise the gifts he's given us. As we take those steps to use the abilities that God's given us, they grow and they grow and they grow. And we have a great confidence in God who empowers the measures of grace that he gives us to do the things that are a a part of his kingdom. And he uses our natural abilities, but he uses our spiritual abilities. And somehow together, there's an incredible blend and mixture that is very profitable for our lives. The title of my message today is God is More Than a Measure. And I want to t- talk a little bit about more about the God factor today in our lives and in every circumstances that we face. I gave you this um, just uh, two weeks ago, week before last. Measure. Metron is a Greek word commonly translated as measure. It means a portioned off section, a boundary that has been set, a parameter that should not be exceeded. A metron is a measure of the capacity or limit. It is a signed scope of ministry and grace and ministry influence within the limits of the appointed lines drawn by God. Again, God gives us a measure, and we're supposed to exercise that measure. We're just like, uh, you know, like kind of like the, the parable of the talents. Each person was given a talent, and what did they do with that? And so it involves your relationship with God and especially your will. Because remember, our mind, emotions, and will... That's that part of us connected in this life, but then our spirit. And so what we have to do is keep getting our soul to cooperate with what's going on in our spirit. How many times we have a will to do something, and we know it's a God thing, but our flesh is just like flaky. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, that's going to be hard. Oh, 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 you know, how we are in the human. But is the spirit that gives us the life, and so with the spirit we rise up and we allow our soul to come under that, and then we cooperate with what God wants us to do. Um, I want to give you this first. The Spirit comes without measure. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the power portion that exercises the gifts and those measures that God has given us. John three thirty four. John the Baptist said, For he whom God has sent, talking about Jesus, speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. And aren't you so glad that you have a measure and we're trying to exercise who we are in Christ and understand our giftings and our abilities, but the Holy Spirit comes to us without measure. It's the Holy Spirit that keeps encouraging us, keeps renewing our mind with the truth of God's Word, keeps speaking to us in ways that encourage us, because when we, we fail or we sin or make a mistake, 
we're beating ourselves down, and then Satan's are beating us down too. But the Holy Spirit comes to us without measure. He comes to encourage us and empower us so that we would continue to move in those areas of our giftings to exercise those gifts and find out where they are. Now, if you're here and you've just accepted the Lord recently, don't be upset that you're not fully aware of everything. Again, like I, stories I told you, it was over a period of years that I developed my driving skills. It was over a period of years those skills got better and better. That's how it's going to be in your Christian walk. You're going to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're going to grow in the understanding of how the Holy Spirit is coming to you and revealing himself to you, and you're going to grow in your giftings. You're going to step out trying different things, and you're going to find out, hey, this is kind of a nice fit. Or it could be you might have a great experience in one of your gifts and then go for a number of years thinking, like, what happened? Where did that gift go? I remember as an ordained elder at Christian Community, I'd already been ordained. I remember having to speak the first time. I'm thinking, oh my Lord, can I just keep driving truck? Why do I have to go? I died for two weeks before I prepared my first message and gave it. And some people say that was your best message you ever, you ever gave. And so, you know, a lot of times you'll use a gift and then it seems like, all right, the fruit's all gone and it's buried. But don't get worried. A lot of times God gives you a first fruits of something. He gives you experience of something in your gift, but he's going to try to, he, not try, God's going to qualify you. He's going to build your character, and he's going to build you into such a place that when you use your gift, that it's very powerful. But your character is so important because if your character is not strong, you will not have the ability to use the gifts that God has called you to use, especially if they're spiritual gifts, because Satan does not want you using your spiritual gift because it's going to bring influence. It's going to impact people. It's going to bring a persuasion of people to follow Jesus. And so if he can mess up your character, people's going to say, oh, that's that person. Uh, their walk doesn't match their talk. So it's so important to let our walk and talk become in that place where it's equal. And let, that's what the Holy Spirit does in our process of being in church together, walking in fellowship together, uh, being around the Word, using our gifts with each other, speaking into each other's lives, encouraging each other when we get down. Why? Because we all get down and we need to be encouraged. Our key verse for today, Hebrews 13, 5. God himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And it's so important when we're talking about our gift measure, if we don't walk in the reality that God will never leave us or forsake us, we're going to be in conflict because our life, our circumstances, the reality that we perceive in this natural world is totally contrary to God being with us. How many of you could say right now, maybe you experienced death or a tragedy or job loss or finances, you feel like God's not with you in your circumstance. Anybody be honest with me? Yeah, you've gone through a death. Where are you, God? Where are you? I will never leave you or forsake you. And that happens that commitment, God moves into our heart the moment we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life. The moment we say, I need you, Jesus. You died for me on the cross. I believe you forgave me of all my sins. Boom, he moves in. Doesn't take a beacon's van or anything else. Boom, he moves in by your faith. So, that's, so that stands with what the promise was just now, that I will never leave you or forsake you. So what about these circumstances I'm in? And I'm hoping you're going to just get a new excitement about whatever you're going through to realize God is with you and he's not left you. That's our key verse. And another verse that kind of goes with that, it's Genesis 28, 15. God said to Jacob, remember Jacob was the heir through the is for all the Israelites and all of us who are, uh, we're the new Israel of God. That's what the New Testament says. So we're all Jews now. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. 
for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And that's a prophetic promise to everyone here at Hillside. If you've asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you have a measure that God has given. There is a calling on your life. There is something God wants you to perform. And so he will be with you until that is done. That means all the way through till eternity. He's never going to leave you. But he has a purpose for you. He has something that he wants you to do. You have a uniqueness about you that God wants to use. And Satan and this life and circumstances are going to do everything they can to discourage you that God is with you and that God has a plan. And especially if you've got a calling on your life that's maybe bigger or, or, or it's going to impact more, it's going to seem like it's not going to happen. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get frustrated with God, with people. Satan's going to murmur at you. You're going to start murmuring with other people. And, and it's just all the plot of the enemy that God's going to bring you through to bring you to that place to deliver that measure that is in you. I want to go to Gideon for a minute. In, in Judges 6.12, the angel said to Gideon, God is with you. So, so far this morning you could say the message to us is God is with us. God is with us. God is in me through Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, the Lord is with you. Again, Gideon had a temporal reality that was so contrary to God being with him. And Gideon was saying, and he says right back to this angel, I don't think so. And Gideon is like us because he asked the question, why? In Judges 6 or 13, Gideon said to the angel of the Lord, Oh, my Lord. Say that. Oh, my Lord. If the Lord is with me, why then is all this happened to us? And today, I want you to say to whatever situation that is, I want you to say, God, if you're with me, why all these things? Because when we begin to recognize our circumstances and our situation, when we recognize the things that are contrary to our knowledge and our heart that God is with us, then we can begin to open our eyes spiritually and see that God is with us. And that's the most important thing, that whatever we're going through, we recognize that I'm not in this alone that God is with me, and God is for me, and God's going to get me through this. And if I don't get through it, at the end, I'm going to go to heaven anyway. Could you say that to the angel? I'm thinking if I saw an angel today and I had this discussion, I would forget all my problems. I would say, okay, you're with me. But obviously seeing an angel was not that big to Gideon. He was overwhelmed by the circumstances that Israel was in, and his own family. They were facing incredible enemies. They had to hide out to get their own food because the, the Midianites were stealing all the food. Here, here is the next thing, and I think this is a tendency for anyone who has been following the Lord. We're, we're called a full gospel church. Why? Because we believe we have to have the Holy Spirit helping us. We believe that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to walk with us. We don't just, uh, you know, just try to be religious or say the right things. We want to experience God every time we come together. So Gideon says, where are the miracles? Judges 6, 13b. Gideon says, and where are the miracles? Which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Wow. Again, it's the real deal. It's real life. It's when you're going along and you get knocked down. And it's just not one thing, but it's something else. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a death. Maybe it's sickness. 
you know, maybe it's family relationships. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your spouse leaves you. Maybe you, you get rejected or abandoned. It's not just one thing. It's a, a bunch of things. Maybe it's something from your past that keeps coming up and it keeps busting you in the mouth saying you're never going to get over this. You're never going to get past that. And what does it do? It makes you feel like God is not with you. God is the God of the impossibilities. God is a God who's with us. We may not understand our circumstances, and I'm not telling you today that everything's going to be perfect for you if you come to the Lord. In fact, you probably have more problems because something else begins to come against you. You become a threat. Why? You have a measure. You have a purpose in Christ that's greater than living this life. And so all hell is going to come against that measure that is in you. Our mind, will, and emotions looks for the easiest way. My wife and I are totally different. When it comes to buying, going to the store, her mom was a single mom, and, and just she never told them they needed anything. She never used coupons. She just always went and bought whatever she bought. Me, we were kind of poor, so I used coupons. I want the best price. I'll try the generic stuff. If it works, fine. Not my wife. No, just go get it. I go, Dory, it's cheaper over here. Ah, I needed it. God has the best for us. We have to keep believing that. But we often have to open our eyes and look at our circumstances, our real-life circumstances that we're going through, and say, God, what are you trying to do for me? What are you trying to show me? What is it that I'm supposed to see in this when I'm agitated, irritated? And then when, when we're in those places for a long time and we don't see God moving, we start going into unbelief and we go, where are the miracles? In fact, we don't even believe God does miracles anymore. But th- I'm going to tell you today there's a tension. Even if you go through all these losses, there is a tension that God still is a God who does the impossible but he is in whatever I'm in right now. Max Lucado wrote this. Well, let me talk about suffering for a second. In Psalms 105, 16 through 21, it's talking about Joseph. And Jerry, I hope this is not messing you up. God called for a famine in the land, talking about Egypt, and he destroyed the provision of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with feathers, and he was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord was tested, and it tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler over his possessions. It's interesting that in uh, Genesis thirty-nine twenty-one, when Joseph goes into prison, it says the Lord was with him. Jesus told us we were going to suffer as Christians. He told us we were going to be in tri- go through tribulations. He told us we were going to be tried and tested. So he war- forewarned us. So all of us who bought in when God loved us and we knew we were sinners, we bought in. We bought into the whole package. We bought into the reality. Jesus told us this is how it is. But we must also believe that if we're going to go through negative circumstances, there's something's going to be done in those circumstances. I'm supposed to see God in those. I'm supposed to get through those, and I'm supposed to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Max Lucado wrote this on Joseph. God will use your mess, your pain, for good. We see a perfect mess. God sees a perfect chance to train, test, and teach the future prime minister. He's talking about Joseph. In that progression of those 13 to 15 years that he was totally going the opposite way of what what the promise was from the word of God, 
that God was doing something in his faith, in his heart, in his circumstances, even though in the, in the stocks where he was in pain in his feet, God was still doing something. Why? He could go through pain. He could go through loss. He could go through rejection and abandoned by his family. But there was something in iron in his soul. There was something going on in his spiritual life where he was growing in God. He wasn't losing a faith in God, but he was putting down character roots that would sustain him going and rising to power, being second in command in Egypt. We see a prison God sees a kiln. Can you look at whatever you're going through right now and see it differently than what it feels like, than it looks like? We see famine in the land of Egypt. God sees relocation of a chosen lineage. You know that famine drew people from all over the world, but especially it drew all of the Jewish, Jewish community and drew them in. And these, yes, they became slaves. But God was doing something that if you talk to each individual person, probably during that 430-year process, they would probably say, God abandoned us. This was bad. All we were were slaves. But God was doing something more than just a handful of people. God was going to do something to show a nation and show uh, two nations, the nation of Israel, God's chosen, and also the nation of Egypt, that God was a God of power. When God did all that he did through Joseph, he destroyed the ten gods that represented Egypt for over 5,000 years. He totally destroyed because they were powerless. And yet he came to a people and showed himself as God. And he gave them the name, I Am. That means there is nothing that can come against God. And that's what he offered them. We call it Egypt. God calls it protective custody. (laughs) Different way to look at it, right? God's ways are higher than ours ways. He sees things different than we see. You, you may see your pain right now. You may see the loss you're going through. Maybe you're grieving someone who just died, and you're thinking, God, how could this happen? I, I had this loss. This person was so dear to me. They were such a strong Christian. I went through that uh, with a young man when we first came here. He was really somebody. He did, God was raising him up. He's real evangelistic. He was, he was in 12 steps. He was um, sponsoring people. He was going to start coming down. He, in fact, he came once a month. We had a men's meeting. He came once a month, and he came down with us. And then, after we're here a couple of months, he gets killed on his motorcycle. His wife is still single, bears the pain of that loss. Why? Why? And and I think it's those times that we're in those circumstances where we ask why. And I think those are the times you dig in and you get with God and say, I'm angry with you. I'm frustrated with you. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't stand, understand where you're at. Everything you're doing in my life right now is contrary to when I signed on. It's contrary to what I feel like you said to me. But I tell you, you hang on because God is God. And there's something he wants to do in spite of your circumstance, in spite of the losses that you're, that you're facing. Okay, protective custody. Where the sons of Jacob can escape barbaric Canaan, so it cost Joseph, but look at the salvation he brought to those brothers who sold him. It brought salvation. What you're going through may be someone's salvation. How? I don't know. Only you're going to have any inkling if you just keep staying with God, if you keep opening your eyes and asking God, what are you doing? Reveal yourself to me. Lord, help me not to lose my faith in this. God, strengthen me in my faith. God, strengthen me right now in these circumstances that don't seem to change. We see Satan's tricks and ploys. God sees Satan tripped and foiled. Again, when you look at these two nations, how Satan was defeated, and those people who were in bondage, those 430 years, all those generations, they were taken out of Egypt. Those people went free, and they literally bankrupted Egypt. I tell you, Satan got tripped in that deal. 
Let me be clear, he goes on to write. You are a version of Joseph. In your generation, you represent a challenge to Satan's plan. Do you realize that? All of you sitting here today are a challenge to Satan's plan. He is right now, he is so ticked at you. He is so ticked that you're taking an hour and a half and coming to church. He's saying, what is wrong with them? You carry something of God within you. It's your measure. Something noble and holy. Something the world needs. Wisdom, kindness, mercy, skill. If Satan can neutralize you, he can mute your influence. Survival in Egypt. And that's where we're at. This world is a representation of Egypt. Everything evil, everything contrary to God, everything negative is Egypt. Survival in Egypt begins with a yes to God's call on your life. And sometimes we have to do that every day. Oh, man, pick up my cross today. I'm tired. I don't want to pick up my cross today. (laughs) But when we choose, you know what? I began this thing with you, and I'm going to continue this thing. And today we say yes to God. We rise up again, and we face our opposition, and we face those circumstances with the realization, God has not left me. He's right with me. And when we choose to follow the Lord and we choose to, to, you know, do what He wants us to do, we're pursuing our measure. I got this little, um, picked up this thing on TV the other day. God is not in the negative events, but in the response to, the, to those events. Again, What's it cause us to do? To look at circumstances differently than they are. We can look at circumstances just how they are with our our natural mind and our feelings that think this stinks. Or we can look at it with perspective of God. Wait a second, I'm not alone. I'm not facing this alone. What are you going to do, God? How are you going to handle this? You put faith in me, and I know you don't want that faith to fail. God, how are you going to help me get through this? What are you going to do? And again, it shifts our our focus on, I'm not in this alone. And it helps you maintain your faith because there's nothing like feelings and contrary circumstances to make you feel like, well, God's not working. I better try and uh, find a plan B to Z, you know? I might as well try to do something on my own. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Go to Psalms 139. Verses, let's read verses 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I f- flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. Or the grave. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, from there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Again, he's giving us great confidence that we can't even go anywhere away from God's presence. And again, since we asked Jesus Christ to come into our life, we are doubly hooked into his presence. We are not alone. We are not abandoned. We've been given a great faith. We've been given a measure of faith. 
and it's working for our salvation. We know if we were to die today in this moment, we're going to go right to be with Jesus in heaven. But now we're taking the, res the residual, the remainder of that faith, and we're stretching it to believe God right now today for where we're living and how we're living and what we're facing. That's where faith becomes an exciting thing. That's where faith creates an excitement in you that is contrary to your circumstances. Luke 7, 23 out of the Amplified Bible. This is Jesus on a believer's reality. I love the Amplified Bible with this verse. Jesus said, And blessed, happy, with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation. So that's a done deal. Nothing's going to shake that reality. I, I got heaven. I, I got that made. I'm saved. The next part of our faith and the reality that Jesus is with us, that faith is apart from outward conditions and to be envied. You know, people are going to envy you where, when you're going through some of the same trials they're going through and you're flying above them. Why? Because of your confidence in who's with you. And they're not going to necessarily feel it, but you feel him because he resides deep in your spirit and he brings a confidence and he pushes back that fear we, we sang about today where God displaces that fear. And it's almost like you have this euphoric excitement and you're thinking, in my mind, I should be crazy because I don't see a way out of this jungle. I don't see a way out of this pit. I don't see a way out of these finances. But something stirs inside you. It's your spirit because it's connected with God and God's living there. And so you have these feelings that your, your, your soul can feel because your spirit is thriving on God. Okay, without apart from outward conditions and to be envied, is he or she, who takes no offense in me. Again, that's a place, too, we always get messed up. When we don't believe God's with us, or we don't when we don't feel like God is with us, we're offended with Jesus. And when we're offended with Jesus, we just stop everything. Because everything moves by faith and our will. And so when our will gets pulled into the trap of our circumstances and the enemy's beating on us and he's saying, God's not there, God's not there, God's not there, God's not there, God's not there. Arr, arr. We start believing him. He has a, he's a good, he's a great to see. He has the ability to influence our thinking and our feelings. And so we get offended. And Jesus said, and who, is, so let's go back. He who, is no, who takes no offense in me and who is not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled or made to stumble. So that's where we can get offended. I'm frustrated with my circumstances. I have no control. I'm getting ticked at you, God, because you said you're with me. And you know, interesting, the person that's closest to you, your family member, the ones you love the most, that's the one that gets the ugly part of you. Right? I mean, that's how it is for me. But God, help us not to be resentful in our circumstances right now. Help us not to to uh, uh, blame you. God, again, help us to realize you're on my side. You're not my enemy. That begins to help us be open to have things look differently for us. And I love the end of this verse. Not made to stumble, whatever may occur. Jesus gave this, this verse, Luke 7, 23, all the Amplified, is probably a verse we could probably carry on our card every day when we're facing different things. Whatever may occur, I'm not going to get offended in you, Jesus, because you are the power of God in my life. 
You are the power that works through my faith that you've given me. You're the power that works in my gift measure and my ability. You're the power in my faith to overcome and to see you in my circumstance. Again, Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Matthew 28, 20, out of the CEV version. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. I want to shift gears again and ask a question. Have you been proved? Has your faith been proved? Has your faith been tested? I think of some of us who have children. It's one thing, maybe even you children who are here today or you have young people out there. Or maybe some of you, uh, you're you're a little older, but you're still not your teenager, and some of you are teenagers here. You've been raised in Christian homes and families. You've been around church. You hear me talk every Sunday. You could just be kind of in a, like a, just a mellow land. But I tell you, you're going to get to a place where God's going to prove your own faith. God wants you to have your own faith. He wants to stretch that faith, and he wants to give you a faith that is, comes out of real experience. Every generation of believers needs to be proved, needs to be tested, needs to see if their faith is genuine. Even my adult children have been going through their own tests as adults. Now they're away from, they're not from from under our roof. They're not in this church anymore. And they've been going through things the last four or five years, unique to their own uh, walk with God, their own life circumstances, the struggles, the challenges that they face. The definition of proof, to provide evidence that shows that something is true. And believe me, if you accept Jesus, that faith and that decision is going to get tested and tried and proved. But hold on, it's going to provide a great opportunity of growth and strength and allow you to see God moving in your life. The context of this is, this is after the Joshua generation. This is in uh, Judges 3, 1 through 4 out of the Amplified. You know, Joshua was taking the, the, the people from the wilderness into the promised land. But all the promised land wasn't taken over. And I think it's interesting. Every generation has an opportunity to uh, occupy more of God and what he has for them in their gifts, in their measure. Also, personally, all of us have an inheritance that we need to continue to be moving into and possessing and working with God to, to hear the promises that are ours and then to apprehend those promises, to go after them. In Judges 3, 1 through 4, Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them. That is, all in Israel who had not previously experienced war in Canaan. It was only that the generations of the Israelites might know and be taught war, at least those who previously knew nothing of it. Some of you young people, when you get on your own someday, you stay, you stay with this in church, you press into God, but when you're on your own, don't abandon it. God is going to cause you to be able to prove your own faith. And as young adults, you're going to be able to experience God in a way that you don't experience Him right now because you're under your parents' protective covering. doesn't mean they're perfect or, 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 uh, or anything, but the fact that you're under Christian parents, there's a grace of God of your life. And, and part of your mind even could be being set up by the enemy saying, ah, oh, this is really not that great, you know? Enemy could be saying, ah, oh, i got something for you in the world. Hang on to Jesus. I tell you, Jesus is the truth, and the world is nothing but lies. The world offers things that it can't back up, that it can't carry all the way through. But Jesus will help you to overcome. God's going to prove you. 
The remaining nations are the five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites, the Sidonites, the Hivites, all the Ites. Verse 4, they were for the testing and proving of Israel to know whether Israel would listen and obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by Moses. You know, what's the goal in war? What is the goal in war? I was trying to just write down a few thoughts. To win against an enemy. That's common. To gain and hold onto freedoms. You know, you either have to hold onto a freedom or you're trying to gain a freedom in a war. To take back or possess land or what's rightfully a person's. For a Christian, it's to have God. He is the goal of spiritual warfare. We don't want to lose our faith. We don't want to lose through the circumstances of life what we've got in Jesus Christ. In fact, we want everything that's ours. We want to, if there's any place you can be greedy, be greedy. Say, God, I want everything you have for me. God, I want everything that I'm supposed to have. I want to get to the other side and him say, hey, well done, you're a great servant. You know what? You, did all, you used all your talents. You did good. We don't want regret. Since we're gonna, he's going to wipe some tears, I'm thinking that's probably going to be in a moment we're going to know the regrets, what we, what we could have had, what we, what we could have done, how we could have used our measure a little bit more. And we don't want to get to the other side in eternity and have that first moment there of having regrets because we, we kicked back or we were lazy or we let fear or feelings keep us from what God has for us. Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or physical, weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overflowing and the destruction of strongholds. And I have to say prayer is probably one of the greatest things because what prayer does is get your focus off the circumstances and connects you with where your heart is and what God can do. It's like going to the gas station. When you start praying, you're going through all those steps and you're actually putting the nozzle into your tank, in your spirit, and you're downloading. My Monday is usually my day off, and so my Monday was not a restful day. There's always something going on. And so I started Tuesday in the pits, in the DUMPSs, the dumps. And I came in, and I closed my doors, and I took out my knee pads, because I have old knees, and I got down on my knee. I didn't want to. I was tired. I was frustrated. But where else can you go when you're feeling like that? So I began to pray. I began to thank God that he was there. I began to thank God that he was greater than how my feelings were my tiredness, and he was my source. Besides, I knew you guys were going to need a word this week, so I wanted you to have something positive. I noticed the more I prayed, the better I felt. What a medicine talking to God. What a medicine realizing Jesus is with me. He's never left me. My soul felt abandoned. It felt tired. It, and sometimes when we think for us, oh, if I could get away for a couple weeks or whatever, that would be the answer. Praying, connecting with God is going to help you. And then if you go somewhere, that's an added bonus, but really filling your spirit up is where it happens. Then we went into, we had noon prayer. Some guys came in, we were praying again. We prayed for another hour. Prayed more. Then Wednesday night, man, by the Wednesday night, I'm starting to feel, I'm starting to feel up. <laughs> then I came in and, and was praying with the giants on Thursday. Oh my, I could have flown out of this place yes, on Thursday. Why? Praying going to God. And then when I was done praying after Thursday, 
my message came together, but things looked different. My circum- none of my circumstances changed. Nothing that I faced changed, but I saw them differently. When we pray, God asks us to come up from the negative. Come up from what's disturbing us. Come up from what's oppressing us. And when we connect with God, we begin to have a faith. We begin to be grounded into who God is and what He can do for us. And things look differently. Our circumstances look bad. And that's just the way it is. But God is greater than our circumstances. In, uh, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. James 5.13, if any of you are suffering or afflicted, they should pray. Wow, how simple, huh? Pray. And you have to know, our enemy is defeated. In um, spiritual war began and ended, really, in, in Genesis 3.15. The Lord said to Satan, the serpent, this is after the fall, Adam and Eve had bought into the forbidden fruit, and they were dead spiritually and running from God. The Lord said to Satan, the serpent, I will put enmity, extreme ill will between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, Jesus, shall bruise your head and he shall bruise your heel. That is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. We just celebrated, you know, Jesus' death and resurrection last week. I watched something. A couple of you close your ears because I told you this. I watch something on TV because they're always showing, you know, just they always studying the crucifixion and all those things that happened. They're, they're just a new revelation they had. That when you drive the nail between the person who's crucified Jesus' feet, the nail goes in such a way it does not pierce any blood vessels or arteries, but it hits a place in the heel where there is excruciating, tormenting, horrific pain like you cannot believe. And then when he's trying to get a breath, when he's pushing even more down, he creates even more pain. And it's done in such a way so that the person gets the maximum amount of suffering. Right here in the beginning, when it was decided from the foundation of the world that Jesus would die for us to return us back to God, Satan's head would be crushed, his power, but Jesus' heel would be bruised. That's incredible suffering that Jesus went, that we could be overcomers, that we could live in our full measure of what Jesus is and what he's going to do for us. The worship team can come. I just want to give you a positive tension because you're already thinking, like, okay, now I'm in, these, I'm in all these circumstances. I'm supposed to just accept them and live in them. No, you're supposed to see Jesus in them. You're supposed to ask God, Lord, please do in this season of suffering, whatever I'm going through, please do what you're, you want to do. Let me learn. Let me gain. But God, like Jesus prayed, if it be your will, God, remove this cup from me. Even Jesus prayed. We know the disciples went through all kinds of suffering, jail sentences, beatings, and everything. I'm sure they asked, if this is not your will, or if I can get out of this, let me get out of this. In John 14, 15 and 16, Jesus promised his disciples, if you really love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may remain with you forever. So that's the positive who's with you in the circumstances. The tension of temper of our temporary reality. God with us doing impossible things. John 14, 12 through 14. I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, if anyone, that's all of us here, steadfastly believes in me, he will himself be able to do things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. Again, the Holy Spirit is now doing work through us. And I will do, I myself will grant whatever you ask in my name as presenting all that I am 
so that the Father may be glorified in it and extolled in and through the Son. Yes, I will grant, I myself will do for you whatever you shall ask in my name as presenting all that I am. Our power source and our measure. John 14, 26, out of the Amplified. Jesus said, But the Comforter, Counselor, Helper, Intercessor, Advocate, Strengthener, Standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and to act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and He will cause you to recall, will remind you and bring you to remembrance everything that I have told you. Will you stand with me? That's a promise. That even though we're in circumstances, we need to ask in the name of Jesus. We need to believe that God's going to do something supernatural and powerful for us. 